Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Amen. You can take a seat. As you do, take your Bible and go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This morning, uh, we're going to look at what it means to be good servants of Christ. Right? What it means to be good servants of Christ Jesus. Uh, so, so far, um, you know, last week, we looked at uh, really how to fight false teaching, the importance of knowing what the Bible says so that we can recognize and, and refute false teaching when we hear it. And then today, Paul is going to tell uh, really how to serve well. And this will obviously apply to those who are pastors or elders or deacons. But I think it also applies to those of us who simply carry the name of Christ Jesus uh, into the world. Um, but because as we've talked before, the, the Great Commission, the, the call to make disciples, is not something that was just given uh, to the twelve disciples and, and for them only, but, but it's, it's a command that we see throughout Scripture for all believers. And, um, and so Paul will, will tell Timothy, uh, this, is, this is for him. Obviously, this is Paul writing to Timothy, who's a pastor, but he'll also command Timothy um, to pass these on to others uh, as well. And so this morning, uh, very simply, uh, we're going to look at three things that, um, that would cause us or that, that, that God would have us do if we're to be um, good servants of Christ Jesus, those who are, who are serving him faithfully. And uh, so really quickly, before we get into that, um, we, we need to do just a little bit of, of family business. And so if you're our guest here this morning, let me, uh, let me say, let me give you permission to tune me out for a couple of minutes, okay? Um, last week during our business meeting, um, when we looked at our financial statements, um, we, are, we are in the red um, about $10,000 so far this year. Um, and, and so we're not, we're not out of money, not by a long shot, but um, we, if, if things don't pick up, we're going to have to make some, some hard decisions um, in, in some areas soon. And so uh, one of the things that we talked about in our business meeting last week is just simply encouraging um, the members and, and regular attenders um, to give sacrificially and to give generously towards the missions and the ministry of First Baptist Church. Um, in fact, I would love to issue a challenge to us and say, what would, it, what would it look like if at the end of the year in December, if we're able to celebrate being in the black? That doesn't mean meeting our budget, but, but we're, we're, not, we're not spending near what, what we've budgeted either. But what would it look like if at the end of the year we were able to celebrate because um, God, through the faithful giving of his people, brought us into the black? And, and so um, I'm going to issue that challenge to you as, as church members and as regular attenders um, to let's take this fall and, and believe what God said, that if we give sacrificially, if we're obedient to the things that he's called us to do, that he will bless us. Um, and, and so um, that, is, that is where we are. As I said, if you're a guest, um, when we pass the plate at the end of the service, if this is your first Sunday, don't feel obligated to give. That's not for you. That is for our members and our regular attenders. And, and what I said last week during our business meeting is simply this. I believe that God has given us the people where we are right now to meet the budget that we have right now, um, to, to meet the needs of, of the ministry as it is right now. And next year, 
uh, we'll worry about meeting next year's budget next year. But, but right now, this year, let's, let's rely on the people that God has brought to us so far uh, to meet the needs of the ministry here and now. And so um, that is, that's a little bit of family business that we need to get out of the way. Um, so if you're a guest, now you can tune me back in, okay? Now, 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 now turn, it, turn it back on. And let's stand together as we read the word the Lord's given to us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Paul writes to Timothy, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for a chance to gather together as your people to open up your word, and we pray that you will um, speak through your word to us this morning. Use me as your instrument to do that. Pray for my scratchy voice that, that through your strength that would hold up this morning to proclaim the words that you have for us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So what does it look like to be good servants of Christ Jesus? Well, I think there are three things here in this passage. None of them is going to be mind-blowing. I don't think any of them will be something that you've never considered before. But, but rather, um, they're, they're basics. And yet sometimes it's a good thing to refocus on the basics, refocus on the fundamentals. You know, the story goes that at the beginning of every training camp, the legendary uh, football coach, the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi, and the first day that he had his team back for training camp, he would hold up a football and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. And you're talking to professional athletes, men who've played the game their entire lives, but he always wanted to start by reminding them of the fundamentals. And sometimes it's good for us to be reminded of basic things that we're to be about in the kingdom of God. So the first thing, uh, the first thing that we should do as kingdom or as good servants of Christ Jesus in the kingdom of God is to teach. Look at what Paul says in verses six and the first half of verse seven. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Now, now keep in mind, Paul's writing to Timothy, who is a pastor an elder at this church in Ephesus. And so he's reminding Timothy of the role that God has called him to, to teach God's people. And what is he calling him to teach? Well, I think he's calling him to teach all the things that he's just uh, talked about before this. The the proper roles within the church. Those of um, what, in the ways men should serve, the ways women should serve, what the the role of elder looks like, what the role of deacon looks like, looks like, how to recognize false teaching when we see it. And at the end of chapter three, as we looked at um, a couple of weeks ago, he, he closed out in this, uh, in this hymn, to, this hymn of praise to God, reminding us that we get to proclaim this God um, who was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world and taken up 
in glory. And Paul commends Timothy to teach these things. And Paul contrasts this good teaching, as he says, that you followed. At the end of verse 6, with what he'll call pointless and silly myths. See, there's a lot of things that I could stand up here and talk about. I, I could stand here and I could, I could take a verse or two out of God's word somewhere and, and I could give you really, really good advice on that. Ten ways to maximize your marriage. Five ways to dump debt. But ultimately, what we need is not good advice. What we need ultimately is the word of God. That, that I believe as we faithfully, systematically walk through books of the Bible, God's word will speak to each and every area of our life. So what we mean when we say that, that scripture is sufficient, meaning scripture addresses needs in, in our lives. And, and, and I'm just crazy enough to think that I don't have to go picking out what exactly I think you need to hear this week. I think that, that as I'm faithful to proclaim the word of God, he's going to cause his word to intersect our lives right where we need it at the very moment that we need it. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen enough to, to know that the, 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 the best thing I can do as your pastor to shepherd you is to faithfully proclaim the full counsel of the word of God to you and let him do what he's done for the last 2,000 years, work in and through his word to shape and mold men and women into the image of Christ Jesus. So ultimately what we need is not good advice. We need the word of God. And so how does Timothy do that? Well, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, which we will look at next week, so I'm getting a little ahead here, but he says this, until I come, give attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. So, so okay, Paul, you want me to teach your people. How do I do this? How do I go about it? Public reading, read the word of God. Exhortation, proclaim what it says in teaching. Teach men and women how to follow that. In 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. St. Timothy, in fact, um, if you back up to verse 1, what he'll say there is, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. So, so Paul's not just saying, hey, I've got, some, uh, I've got a, a good um, kind of steady line of advice for you here, preach the word. He's saying, no, I'm charging you. I'm commanding you in the presence of Christ Jesus to preach the word. Preach the word. We'll look here um, in a bit how this, this role of teaching, meaning not, not what we call formal teaching, like what I'm doing here, and even not necessarily what we're doing like, like in our small groups, but rather are we showing one another, are we showing men and women who, who are not yet believers of Christ how they can become followers of Christ? Are we teaching a lost and dying world what the word of God says?
That's what Paul's getting at here. So that's the first thing, right? Good servants of Christ Jesus teach. But that's not all. That's, that's not all we're called to do because Paul goes on, picking up in the second half of verse 7. It says, Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Paul commands Timothy to train. First of all, I want you to teach and then train. Now, Paul says here that physical training is good, right? He says says it's of some benefit. After all, our body is the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's not saying it's bad to focus on physical training. It's, in fact, I think from Scripture we would say it's, it, it is a sin to neglect your physical body altogether. But, but quite simply, I would say if you, spend ten, or if you spend two hours at the gym and ten minutes in God's Word, you might have a problem. That there might be a disconnect here. Because here's the truth, all right? This body regardless of how well you take care of it, will eventually pass away. One of, one of my favorite things, so our, our, um, both of our kids have been sick this week, and, uh, and, and Noah um, is his father's son, so when he gets sick, they're, they're watching online, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on him because I think he's watching this morning. Um, when he gets sick, like his father, he becomes somewhat whiny. Okay, and um, wrapping up in a blanket on the recliner. And, and one of the things that I've heard multiple times this week is, I'm dying. And I said, you're not dying. And then I would stop and say, well, you're not dying any more than the rest of us are, right? I mean, look, but because here's the truth, right? We are all, every one of us, in, infected with a terminal illness. It's called life. This life only progresses toward one thing, and that's death. But you, weren't, you probably weren't expecting to hear that this morning, were you? Man, what a, like, what a thought, right? Like, no matter what I do, eventually I'm going to die. If Jesus doesn't come back, no matter how great I take care of this body, it is eventually going to pass away. And, it, and, and if you've lived long enough, I think you'll, you'll understand this. Regardless of how well you take care of your body, there will come a time where it fails you. Where something stops working the way it was supposed to work. Um, so, so I'm still young, I'm, I'm 35, and, and I'm trying to get into shape for this uh, uh, 5K run, Lady of the Mountain, on December 8th. Now, that's a few months away, right? I have time, so, so I've, been, I've been training. And do, do you know what I've learned through training? Man, training hurts. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take care of my body, I'm going to try to get in better shape, and why does it feel like I'm dying? <laughs> well, because as I said, on one hand, you are, Right? But, but training has to happen in order for us to, to keep strong physical bodies. And Paul doesn't discount that. He says there is some value in that, but he says it's of limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way. Because as we train ourselves in godliness, we're training the part of us that will not pass away. We're training that part of us that is not yet as alive as it will be one day. So 
So as I said, that, that doesn't give us freedom to neglect our physical bodies, but, but that can't be the be-all, end-all of our existence. Spiritual training holds value, not only for this life. Yes, certainly for this life. As we come to know Christ Jesus, as we get to walk in closer fellowship with him right now, today, there's great benefit in that. But as we do that, we're training ourselves not just for this life, but for the life to come, where we'll never grow old, where there won't be physical ailments, where, where our bodies will not fail us. We get to spend eternity in the presence of Almighty God. I, and I think this goes just beyond simply um, training here as well, or, or what we would call physical training, but, but I think that there's... There's something to be said here for the way that we look at temporal things. We place an incredible amount of value on things that will one day be obsolete, right? So I don't mean to step on any toes. If any of you guys rushed out to buy like the what the iPhone XS or whatever just came out, right? If, if you did that... I'm, I'm, I'm slightly jealous, okay, so let me expose my own uh, coveting and my own idolatry here. But, but do you know what? You've got this really nice, new, shiny phone that you spent, I don't know, $7,000 on or whatever. Can, can I tell you something? Next year, they're going to come out with something new. And it's going to be even bigger and even faster, and they're going to charge $9,000 for that one. And there's going to be... Tons of commercials convincing you, trying to convince you why you need this brand new phone, how this will fix every problem in your life. Man, what? How, how easily we're misled if we focus on the wrong things. So we spend so much time worrying about paychecks, houses, and cars that will one day pass away. And the Bible would say, listen, there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things. None of, none of them are wrong in and of themselves. But there's something better. We can focus on developing our spiritual life that will not pass away in this life. So Psalm 63.3 would tell us this. Uh, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. And then Matthew 6, I love this one, love this. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, now look, this isn't a call to give up your job, to sell your house, to, to, to go you know, live in a tent somewhere, to, to renounce all earthly possessions. That's not necessarily what he's saying here. What he's saying is make sure that we keep things in their proper perspective. Those things which are temporary, let us treat them as if they were temporary. Those things that are eternal, 
Let us treat as things that are eternal. And I love C.S. Lewis in, in his book, The Weight of Glory. He would remind us that people are eternal. See, see the question for us isn't whether or not you and I will, will live for eternity. I think the, the question is, how will we spend that eternity? Will we spend it in the presence of Almighty God, or will we spend it separated from Him? C.S. Lewis writes, you, you never met a mere mortal. Rather, we are in the shopping line at Walmart with men and women who will live forever. We yell and scream at other drivers who are eternal beings. We get annoyed with our neighbors, with with people who will spend eternity either in the presence of Almighty God or separated from Him. Let's spend our time focused on the things of God. All right, so so we've seen so far that that good servants of Christ Jesus, um, they they teach, teach one another, train in, in godliness. And the last thing is this. Servants of Christ Jesus toil. Pick up with me in verse 9. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. We've, we've seen this one uh, b- before. We've seen this exact same phrase before. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Paul used that in uh, chapter 1 where he was recounting his own uh, testimony. He says this, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance that, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, he says. He was reminding his readers there of the gospel. And he uses that same phrase again here. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. It says, for this reason we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. For this reason, he says, we labor and strive. Now, now the, the Christian Standard Bible translates uh, that word as labor. And, and it really means literally uh, strenuous work. It can even mean um, to, to be weary from, from work or to be weary from labor. So, so Paul isn't just saying that we coast through the Christian life. He's saying we work hard for it. We spend ourselves in the Christian life. Now, hang on, that sounds like works. So that sounds like you're saying we have to work for this Christian life and we're saved by grace. Okay, that's right. We are saved by grace. You cannot save yourself. In fact, the, the book of Isaiah would say that all of your righteous deeds are as filthy rags compared to God's righteousness. So it's true, you you can't work to earn your salvation. However, what we see, salvation is a free gift. We see that in Ephesians 2, chapters, verses 8 and 9. And yet, what the book of James will tell us is that our works will give evidence of our faith in Christ. Our, Our works are the fruit of our salvation. Jesus said, you will know them You'll know his followers by their fruit. 
So this morning I would ask, what better thing is there than to work for the kingdom of God? Why do we labor and strive? We do that because we've put our hope in the living God. And he closes this out here, right? Who is the savior of all people, especially of those who... But believe, now Now wait, is this some kind of universalism? Is this saying that in the end, everyone's going to be saved? And we would answer that no, because of what we see throughout the rest of Scripture. However, we, we call Christ the Savior of the world. M- meaning what? M- meaning he's the only Savior. He's the only Savior we have. And yet we know that salvation is, is reserved for those who would repent of their sins and trust in Christ. So here's what he's saying. What he's saying. We have this news. We have the best news the world has ever seen. So then, let us labor and strive. Let us teach one another. Let us train ourselves in godliness let us toil in this spend ourselves to see the gospel advance in Alamogordo throughout New Mexico throughout the United States and ultimately to the ends of the world that's why we as Southern Baptists cooperate together in in things like cooperative program maybe you've seen on the news right now there are thousands of men and women who are literally laboring and toiling in the Carolinas in disaster relief to to bring aid to some of the areas that were hit hardest by uh, the hurricane. You have men and women who will leave their homes and in some cases go across town, in some cases go across the nation, in some cases go across the world so that they might share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. How are you teaching others? How are you training yourself for godliness? And how are you toiling in the work of the gospel? Maybe for you, for most of us, I would say, maybe the call is not to go across the world. Maybe it's something that's even harder, and that is to go across the street and go next door. Listen, it's worth it. If we get the correct perspective, if we can put on these gospel-centered lenses and see our world as Almighty God sees it, we'll see that the things that we often care about carry no value. And the things that we often brush to the side are sometimes of eternal value. Let's train ourselves to see the world the way God sees it. This is what Paul told Timothy, right? This is how we go about it. 2 Timothy 2.2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What I love here is that Paul's already looking forward to his spiritual great-grandchildren. Timothy, I'm going to teach you, and I want you to teach others. But I don't want it to stop there. I want want them to be able to teach others also. Let's make this a generational pattern of obedience to see the gospel carried out. And finally, 
You ever worked really hard at something and you wonder what on earth you accomplished? Maybe you had a really, really busy day or a really busy week or a busy month and and you get to the end and you're like, this is all I've got to show for that? You know, sometimes I think even in the Christian life, it can can feel that way. Man, I'm, I'm spending time in God's word and I don't see growth. I really am trying to share the gospel with, with, with someone, but, but they're just not. They, they don't care. I wonder if I'm spinning my wheels here. Is there any value in what I'm doing? This is how Paul, and ultimately I think God would, would answer that. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work. And here's the promise. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord's not in vain. You know, the first step in, in coming to know the Lord and in serving the Lord well would be to come to know him. And so maybe you're here today and you'd say, I've, I've never surrendered my life to Christ Jesus. I've never asked him to be my savior and forgive my sins. I've never, never asked him to take my punishment, the punishment that I deserved for rebellion against him. So if that's you today, that would, that would be the first offer I would, I would give. You can't serve Christ in these areas until you've come to know him as Lord and Savior. So the first step is, is to, to use the old Baptist preacher phrase, the first step is you need to get saved. You need to surrender your life to Christ Jesus. Ask him to, to forgive your sins, be your Savior. For the rest of us, it simply means surrendering. Allowing Christ to come into our hearts and, and lives and, and in some cases clean house. Readjust priorities. A fancy word that we'd use for that in, in, in church life is sanctification. We, we allow him to come in and sanctify us. To cleanse us. To shape us into the image of Christ Jesus. So that our reality, our experience might look more like the reality that Christ already says uh, we have in our lives. That we've been made right with Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. He's the Lord and Savior of our lives. So let him come in and do that work. Release you to teach yourself through, through God's word. Teach others. Train yourself in godliness through God's word. And then to toil, to spend your life, to exhaust yourself for the kingdom of God. Because we know that our labor is in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for the chance to gather and to open up your word. And I pray this morning you would... Open our eyes to what it means to to be men and women who teach. Who teach others what we know about you, what we've learned through your word, that we'd be men and women who train ourselves for godliness. We wouldn't spend so much time focused on things that are going to pass away in this world, but that we would spend our lives for the sake of your kingdom. And that as we toil, 
as we work, as we, as we labor, as we exhaust ourselves for your kingdom, you would renew our strength. And you'd remind us that our labor in the Lord, as we work for you, it's not in vain. Trusting that as we, as we trust you with this grace-driven effort, that you're working in and through us and in the lives of those around us so much more than we could even ask or imagine. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ, for the Son of God who came to earth to take our place, to free us from the bonds of sin and death, and to give us new life to walk in you. May we never get over that. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.